All right. So let's just begin with a couple minutes of quiet. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Pete, for that <clears throat> lovely introduction, and thank you for having me here. It's wonderful to be with all of you. As Pete said, we've uh, run into each other a couple of times over the last six or seven years, and I've heard about uh, this activity, and our mutual friend uh, Bryce uh, talks about uh, Family Fest quite a bit, so, uh, so it's wonderful to be here. And you know, and I understand that this is a group of people, many of you have been together for many, many years. I think a lot of you are related. And uh, so, <laughs> in a good way, you know, <laughs> not in a weird way. Um, and uh, it's, to me, it's a real sign of uh, trust that uh, you would have me uh, with all of you together. So I appreciate that. And uh, it's, it's great. It's a beautiful place here. I've never been to this area, you know, it's one of these things, I've been through Alexandria probably about 500 times. I've actually never come out to the lakes here, and uh, so it's quite nice, very nice place. One of the things I like to do is to have a passage of scripture that we kind of journey with, and I'll be reading this over and over each time that I speak, and uh, each time there's also then a particular word or phrase from the scripture passage that I'll highlight, and I'll tell you a little bit more about what that's all about later. Uh, so the passage that we have 
uh, is from the Sermon on the Mount, which I'm also going to say more about. Uh-oh, they're all coming in here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're not. <laughs> but they're on the move. <laughs> I actually really need to apologize to one of you. I almost killed your daughter last night in that game running around. Um, was, uh, she was just spinning in circles, and her circle and my line collided. But luckily, she's okay. <laughs> I felt really bad, though. All right. So this time, I'm going to read it twice, because it's the first time we're hearing this. Uh, but then, subsequent times, I will just read it once. So this is Jesus speaking. It's from Matthew 5. It's 43 through 47. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of God who is in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of God who is in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And so the word for this morning is greet, greet. And so that's what we're doing. We're kind of greeting each other this morning. So I thought I would begin uh, by sharing a little bit about myself uh, and also a little bit about the theme or the topic that we're going to be doing together, which is uh, the journey of spiritual community. Uh, Pete was very gracious and didn't give me a topic. He said, well, you just do whatever topic you want to do. And uh, this seems uh, to me to be a very pertinent topic for our time, uh, the, the journey of spiritual community. And in many ways, that's what we're doing here this weekend, right? This is a little mini spiritual community, and we're journeying together for a few days. And, uh, and so... I will unfold this subject matter uh, over this period of time, and we're going to start up slow and, and pick up speed as we go. So one of the things about me is that uh, I'm named after two Hebrew prophets. So my first name is Daniel, my middle name is Nathan. Now my guess is that many of you have some familiarity with the Hebrew prophets. 
And sometimes the Hebrew prophets are a little annoying, where they distress people. And Pete even said when we got together, I don't know he was thinking about this, but he said, you know, my board is a little nervous about having you come. I get that a lot. I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, there's, there's some kind of vibe there. Uh, actually, Bryce said that when he invited me to the first uh, MEA thing. He said, I'm a little nervous about having you there. The, the alternative to you coming was a, gu a guy who does uh, clown, a clown that does paintball. <laughs> so I won out over the clown, which is good. Uh, see, my younger son is terrified of clowns. He's, uh, and I just heard this interesting thing about, this is a complete tangent, but... <laughs> Uh, but I heard this very interesting story about the first professional clowns, and they were both uh, ended up in jail for murder. This is true. This is true. So if you are nervous about clowns, there's maybe good reason. <laughs> Don't invite them to your youth events. Um, so anyway, there, there is something, I think there is something about who we're named after, and uh, there's a certain, I think, kind of energy and sort of vibration that comes with names. Uh, and so sometimes I, I say some things that distress people. And so if that happens, I apologize in advance. And please just know that uh, I love all of you and I'm, whatever I say, I'm trying to say out of the goodness of my heart. And if you're distressed, just come talk to me and I'll probably distress you more. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so that's one of the things I often uh, lead off with. But so my primary vocation, people always ask, you know, in America, you meet people who say, well, what do you do? And, and I've actually always hated that question because I never felt like I had a really good answer for it because I've done a lot of different things and also because I never liked any of the answers that I gave. Like, they didn't ring really true to me. And so it took me about 20 years to figure out the answer to that question. I'm a little slow, I guess. <laughs> it's just uh, it's plodding along thinking about it. But I finally have an answer that I really like. Uh, and so what my primary vocation is, uh, is that I'm a student of the spiritual life. That's really what I do. And I've had a lot of other jobs, mostly because the spiritual life doesn't pay very well. So I have to figure out jobs for my spiritual addiction that pay for that. I told that to somebody the other day. They said, well, you could have worse addictions. I was like, yeah, that's true. So, uh, so that's what I do. And what that means, what that means, so the spiritual life, uh, in the simplest way, is about living a life of trying to attend to the Spirit of God. Right? How do we do that? Right? We say, so we say all these great things about God, about the Spirit, the Spirit is everywhere, the Spirit is in us, all around. Uh, but how do we pay attention to that? Because uh, God has one really annoying quality. We don't really talk much about God being annoying, but God does actually have one very annoying quality, and that is that God is invisible. Right? God is invisible. And if God was visible in the same way that we are all visible in chairs and all this stuff, be much easier. Be much easier. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be great if like every morning you got up and walked outside and like one of those planes with the banners flew by and said, hi, this is God. 
here's your instructions for today. Wouldn't that be great? Make things so much simpler, right? But God has this very annoying quality of being invisible. And so what the spiritual life is about is it is about a series of teachings and practices that if we do them regularly, if we do them regularly, we become much more attentive to the movement of the Spirit in our lives and the life of the world. Right? So that's what the spiritual life is about. And one of the really uh, kind of sad things uh, about the state of Christianity these days is that uh, Christianity has an incredibly rich history of spiritual life and practice. Right? Thousands of years. And most people don't know anything about this. And so when they hear about spiritual practice, a lot of what people think, and people say this to me all the time, uh, they say, well, isn't that Buddhist? Right? And what I tell them is, no, it's not Buddhist. It's just that in America in the last 60 years, Buddhists have done a better marketing job than Christians regarding spiritual life and practice. And so people have heard of that, uh, but most people still within uh, the Christian realm uh, know very, very little about our rich heritage uh, of spiritual life and practice. So, uh, so that's what I do, and I've been doing for basically my entire adult life. And... Uh, and as I said, I've had a lot of other than jobs and activities and things I've done along the way, and Pete mentioned a few of those. And one of the main ones that I'm now involved with uh, is uh, MICA, which stands for the Minnesota Institute of Contemplation and Healing. And this is a ministry that we started uh, almost 18 years ago uh, in northwest Minnesota, and it started out as a mission project of the Presbyterian Church in Crookston, where I was the pastor at the time. And uh, about five years ago, I left the church and started doing this full-time. And so what we do is we do work around spiritual life and leadership, healing, and the arts. So that's a very, very broad area of activity. Basically means we can really do whatever we feel God is calling us to do. <laughs> so it's nice. It's a lot of flexibility. And uh, we do have a retreat center in northwest Minnesota. We have a full-time staff person uh, who's still up there. Uh, we do a lot of off-site teaching and retreat leading. We do a lot of work uh, in the integrative medicine field. Uh, and that's uh, the health and spirituality component of what we do uh, is really wonderful. Uh, and then we do a lot of work with the arts. Uh, the... Uh, Trey, who's up north, is a great artist, and uh, so we do a lot of fun stuff related to spiritual practice and the arts. And uh, so that's, uh, that's a bit about what that is. We have a great website. It's got a lot of fun material on it and neat things. You can see what we're up to there. And I'd love to talk with any of you more about that um, as the weekend goes on. So what I want to begin with this morning, oh, the other thing is feel free to interrupt me with questions. Um, I don't mind being derailed at all, as you can tell by the clown comment. I like going all over the place. 
And so if at any point there's something really burning you want to ask me about, please feel free to jump in. Okay? All right. So as I mentioned, what we're going to be doing is exploring this issue of spiritual community. We're also going to be doing some spiritual practice both together and then there'll be some things that you can do in small groups and then there'll be some things you can do on your own. Right, so I'll be talking about the practices uh, as well as sort of the theoretical uh, aspect of all of this. So we have this phrase, spiritual community. Uh, what I want to start with is the spirituality part. Right? So what, what is this? What is this thing? Because, you know, one of the interesting things about us as people is that we use words uh, a lot that we don't really define very well. Right? So we sort of think we know what something means, and then a group of people think we know what something means, and then we use the word a lot, and after a while, sometimes if you pay attention to how people are talking, you can kind of think like, what are we talking about? <laughs> right? Does anybody know what this means anymore? And we do that because as people, and we're going to be talking a lot more tonight about who we are as people, but uh, as people, we need a lot of shortcuts to function in the world. And so language becomes one of those shortcuts. All right, so uh, so what, is, uh, what is valuable is to spend a little time on exactly what is it that we're talking about uh, when we use these different terms. What is it that we're talking about? So one of the things I want to begin with is uh, just definitions of some words that you probably hear out in the world that I may use interchangeably. And uh, so I, I just want to make sure that we're clear on this. So you may hear words like spiritual practice. You may hear words like meditation. You may hear words like contemplation. Right? You may uh, hear a term like spirituality or spiritual activities, right? or mindfulness is a big one that's being used now out in the world. You may hear that a lot. And sometimes people wonder, like, well, what are all those different things, and are they different, and how are they different? And so one of the things for, for our purposes, and really at the basic level, all of these terms essentially mean the same thing. They essentially mean the same thing. Okay? Again, they are activities that are trying to help us be attentive to the movement of God in our lives. Okay? All right? So if I use those words interchangeably, you'll just know that it all kind of means the same thing. Now, the, the passage that I'm using today, uh, as I said, comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you are probably aware of that. And the Sermon on the Mount is a very, very challenging little talk. It's a very, very challenging little talk. And if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus lines out a whole bunch of stuff that... Uh, his followers maybe should be up to. He lines out a whole bunch of stuff about what God is up to or how God sees the world. And if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, and if we're really honest about it, what we will see is we 
basically, we, generally speaking, the Christian world, uh, we basically do almost nothing that Jesus tells us to do. You know, and, and sometimes I read through there and I think, man, you know, like, couldn't we at least do like 10%? You know, maybe 20% on a good day. <laughs> all right, we do almost nothing. And uh, first of all, that should be somewhat sobering for us. Uh, the other thing is, is that it should tell us something about basically how hard these things are, right? How hard these things are. And uh, there's a, a wonderful little phrase that maybe some of you have run across in a book by a woman named Annie Dillard, uh, where she talks about people going to church, and she said, you know, if people went into church really believing what they were saying, we would all be wearing crash helmets. Right? I love that. We'd all be wearing crash helmets. Um, these things that Jesus talk about, talks about uh, are incredible challenges to what our normal life and activity is in the world. They're incredible challenges. And so what spirituality is about and what the spiritual life is about is it says, okay, we are going to take not just what Jesus says seriously, but we are going to take this challenge seriously. Right? Because there obviously is, I mean, look, we're, we're all, you know, I know we talk sometimes about uh, the negativity of humans and, and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, we basically are people that uh, care deeply. We're trying to be good people. We want to be good people. Most of the time, we actually are good people, right? You know, this isn't, this isn't some colossal failing on our part. But there is clearly something about being human that makes it very, very difficult for us to engage seriously in the kind of life and practice that Jesus describes. There just is, right? And this is the thing that people who have then been involved in spiritual life and practice, this is the thing that they have recognized. Right? So they've just looked around, you know, and this was a very, very big argument, theological argument early on in church history, uh, basically about the nature of sin, right? And uh, there were these, uh, I mean, there were a lot of people involved in the argument, but the two people that get lifted up, right, are Augustine and Pelagius. And, you know, Pelagius said, look, sin is basically sort of a choice, right? Sin is basically a choice, and, you know, people just choose uh, to be not so good. And, you know, if people just worked a little harder at it, they could choose to be better. Right? And Augustine said, no, this is not true. Augustine said, if people could choose to be better, they would be better. Right? And, you know, I was, <laughs> I was in a, a monastery in New Zealand many, many years ago, uh, and I was reading Augustine, and at one point um, I started laughing because Augustine's actually really funny. 
but I seem to be the only one that thinks that. Uh, there was a Dominican monk who was sitting next to me, and he saw what I was reading. He said, I've never heard anybody laugh when they're reading Augustine. <laughs> but he goes through all of these stories. You know, and, and life in the 5th century was really miserable. I mean, it was really hard and miserable. Right? And he's going through all of these stories of these terrible things that people are doing to each other and these you know, battles and tortures and behavior. I mean, it's just, but it's kind of funny. It's like some sort of really bad you know, Monty Python movie, right? He's reading this stuff, talking about this stuff. And I'm reading this, and he said, look, if people actually could be better, they would be because this is terrible. Like, nobody likes what is going on, right? And in many ways, it was this argument, out of this argument, that uh, the, the notion of original sin arose. This idea that there is some sort of fundamental problem that we have, a fundamental problem, that we cannot simply just you know, flick a switch and go, oh, it's all better. Right? And I mean, I look around the world today and I, kinda, I think the same thing. I mean, seriously, you look around the world and you go, wouldn't, don't we want things to be better? I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I mean, I would like things to be better. I would really like it if there weren't a billion people that were on the edge of starvation, even though we have enough food to feed everybody, right? I would really like it if people could get the basic health care that they need, and when a little kid, you know, has a cold, they could afford to go to the doctor, We've got plenty of doctors, it could happen. I would like that, right? I would really like it that we didn't have to spend trillions of dollars around the world on weapons because we're all so terrified of each other, right? I would really like it if, you know, in the 20th century, in the 20th century, this is an amazing thing to think about, in the 20th century, we killed 200 million people. 200 million people. Now, that's an interesting figure because for most of human history, that is how many people were on the entire planet. Right? In one century, we killed everybody on the planet for most of human history. I would really like it if we weren't doing that. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be nice. Okay, so there is clearly something in us that is this compulsion, this compulsion. And uh, Thomas Merton, who is a 20th century Christian mystic, uh, made the comment that we have this innate proclivity towards violence. And that was his formulation of this idea, this innate proclivity towards violence. And so the people that invented the spiritual life said, okay, look, this is the way things are. Uh, this is the way that people are. And uh, yet we say and we have this wonderful understanding of what God desires, right, is uh, for all this goodness in the world. And so how is it that we connect those two things? How is it that we relate to ourselves and we relate to God so that the good things that God desires 
become more manifest in the world. And that is really what the spiritual life uh, seeks to engage. Right? So the spiritual life is actually not about what happens after death. The spiritual life is not uh, about issues of salvation, particularly. Right? And sometimes people get a little confused about this because they get sort of worried, like, well, if I don't do all these spiritual practices, am I going to hell? It's like, no, that's not what the point is. Right? So what the spiritual life is about is it's this very real focus on the kinds of things that Jesus was talking about in terms of how do we engage our life now in the world? And how do we manifest and behave in the kinds of ways that Jesus asks us to? And how do we do that in community with each other? Because that seems to be the problem. I mean, in many ways, I mean, not always, but in many ways, we're kind of okay when we're by ourselves. Like, we can't do too much damage uh, except to ourselves, but, uh, but we're kind of okay when we're by ourselves. It seems to be when we interact with each other that all the problems start. Right? Okay? So how do we do this work with each other? Um, and so when we talk about this spirituality thing, this is what we are getting at. What are the activities and practices that help us manifest the things that Jesus asks us to do. Okay, how are we doing? We're tracking? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So, there are two basic uh, activities that really, in many ways, form the foundation, then, of this spiritual life and community. And not surprisingly, they are two activities that we really struggle with, <laughs> right? which makes sense, given all of what's come before. So the first activity is silence. First activity is silence. And, uh, and Pete mentioned that... Um, I got uh, 350 kids to be silent together for 10 minutes. Uh, I did it once with 800 junior high school kids. And afterwards, it was the adults that came up to me that were, I mean, I wish I had videos, you know. You know, I'm, see, I'm so old that I'm not good about like pulling out my phone right away and taking videos of stuff like many people are. But I wish I had done that because I had these youth leaders coming up to me. How did you do that? I can't get these kids to be quiet for 15 seconds. They were just beside themselves. They wanted to like take me home to their youth group. Our world is incredibly noisy. Incredibly noisy. Right? We actually kind of despise silence. Uh, we've got something on all the time. Uh, you know, uh, I know many people that have a TV in every room. The TV's on all the time, so no matter what room they're in, there's a TV on. 
you know, we now have these home systems that wherever we go, our music can turn on, you know, or our podcasts or whatever, so we never have to be quiet. We've got something on in the car all the time. Uh, we are incredibly uncomfortable with being quiet. And, in fact, when we become quiet, when we become quiet, uh, we often get extremely nervous and anxious. And we try to stop being quiet. Now, silence, though, is one of the uh, key foundational principles of the spiritual life. And the reason for this is very simple. It goes back to God's annoying quality. Right? So if God is invisible, and yet we also say that God is present then in many ways, listening for God, looking for God, seeking God is sort of like this little treasure hunt. Right? You know, we got to go like sneaking around, like looking really carefully. And one of the things that aids that is being quiet. Is being quiet. Because in many ways, God is very quiet. You know, God is very quiet. I mean, we... Uh, we talk a lot about um, God's bigness or loudness, and I think there, there are some ways in which that's true. But I think that if we're very honest about our life experience, we would notice that God is actually pretty quiet. Right? I mean, we go through our day running around, doing all kinds of stuff, whatever, and again... God doesn't, you know, send a sign, tap us on the shoulder, show up screaming at us, Hey, yo, Steve, it's God, wake up! <laughs> eh? Never happens. Never happens. And so what we need to do then, uh, and again, this is the, the history and the, the teachings around this, what we need to do is become more and more comfortable with also being quiet. Right. You know, I, my guess is that many of you have had the experience of sometimes what happens when you go into the woods and you don't make a lot of noise. Uh, and sometimes that's when you see the animals. Right. I mean, if you're just like crashing through the woods, breaking things, whatever, you know, the animals are all fleeing before you. But if you don't do that, sometimes you see them. And so that's the way it is with God as well. Right? As we become more quiet and pay more attention, uh, we become more attuned to how God is present. Now, this gets to the second major attribute, uh, major activity of the spiritual life, which is listening. This is also something we are not very good at. <laughs> It's also something we're not very good at. Um, now, this is especially true, and one of the biggest obstacles for us in terms of spiritual community is that we live in a very individualistic society, right? It's all about me. Right? Everything is all about me. It's about what I want to do, what I'm comfortable with, what I like, what I think, what I believe. Right? And so, in a very individualistic setting, it's very hard for us to listen to somebody else, to others. Right? 
But again, if we are being attentive to this invisible divine that is speaking through other things in the world, right, through scripture, through people, through nature, through activities, through my own experiences, uh, we are well served by becoming better listeners, right? And so, in many ways, all of these different practices that we engage in, and I'm going to talk about a number of different ones over these few days, but they are all uh, based, in many ways, on these two things. The ability to engage in silence and the ability to listen. Right? And so, uh, as people practice that more and more, and so this is why... Uh, this is why in uh, Christian spiritual community, people engage in those activities repeated times during the day. Repeated times during the day. Now, they do this not because they're super holy. Right? That's what sometimes people think when they hear about you know, these saint types or monks or nuns. Oh, those people are so holy. No, they're not holy. They're not any more or less holy than us. What they are is that they actually recognize how unholy they are. <laughs> right? uh, one of my favorite phrases, because it's sort of so encouraging for me in my line of work, is that the, the best contemplatives are the worst sinners. Right? The best contemplatives are the worst sinners. Uh, what, they, what they are is that they recognize how much we need to practice these things. And so they practice being silent and they practice listening over and over and over and over again because we forget very quickly. Right? We forget, so we need a lot of practice. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to just spend a couple minutes in quiet and then I think Pete's going to talk a little bit about small groups, moving us into small groups. So there are a lot of different ways of praying silently now, this is another thing uh, about, just I'll say a bit about this word prayer, because this is another word that we're a little uh, not sure of the full definition of. We mostly think of prayer as talking, right? Somebody's getting up and speaking, either a prayer professional or just somebody who's used to doing this or we become used to it, or in church there's somebody praying, we're praying. In the tradition... Spoken prayer is actually a tiny percentage of what that word means. Right? So, spoken prayers and intercessory prayers are indeed prayers, but that's a tiny percentage. But we tend to think that is all that prayer means. So, when I say we're going to be silent, which is praying, sometimes people come to me and they're really confused. They're like, well, nobody said anything. I'm like, yeah, right. That's because that's only one type of prayer. So prayer also refers to the activities of listening and paying attention. That is also prayer. And it's prayer because we are bringing our intention to pay attention to God. Right? Now, we don't know what's going to happen during that time. We're not expecting anything. But... That is our intention. 
Right? So one of the most simple uh, ways of doing this uh, is that we uh, simply sit and we, when our mind wanders, which it does, that's the other thing, people think, oh, I'm supposed to sit and be all spiritual, you know, right? and then we sit there and we're like, what's happening to my kid in KC? Why, why is this, what's going on? What about my coffee pot at home, right? We start thinking about all these things, uh, and we think, oh, I'm bad at this, right? No, no, you're not bad at it. This is normal, right? We're not, silent prayer is not about creating a spiritual experience, right? It's about practicing paying attention. And so, you mostly get to pay attention to yourself, which can be hard, but that's okay. After a while, there'll be other things for you to pay attention to as well. Okay? So don't think you're doing this wrong if you're thinking about all kinds of other things. Because that's normal. Right? So what we do is we sit and, uh, and the simplest thing is to simply, when our minds wander, to come back to pay attention to our breathing. Right? There's this wonderful... Psalm, God is as close to us as our breath. And so we're just paying attention to our breathing. We're not forcing our breathing. I don't want anybody to hyperventilate and pass out. But just when you breathe, just notice that. Okay? And you'll wander off and then come back to the fact that you're just sitting here breathing, thinking about a lot of things, <laughs> which is okay. It's normal. Okay, is there any question about that? All right, so I will just start with let us pray, and then I'll say amen when we're done. And we'll just do this for a couple minutes. By the way, you can do this with your eyes open or closed. If you want to have your eyes open, you have your gaze kind of down a little bit in front of you. So let us pray.
Amen. Okay. We're off and running. Oh.